When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A small town high school football star is going through an identity crisis. He was looking for what he wanted to do, who he wanted to be. When he vanishes after a night out. Most people wouldn't just abandon their car on on the interstate. His license and everything in there, I thought that's too weird. It's a mystery where evidence is scarce. They see somebody jump out the passenger side of the vehicle. I have no idea who these people could have been. Investigators are left stumped and forced to examine a family's controversial past. Logan learned about his father not too long before he disappeared. He wanted to know about this other family. I mean, he, he wanted the truth. May 2016. It's 7.30 a.m. in Tumwater, Washington, about 60 miles south of Seattle, and Ginny Schindelman is starting her day. Ginny is about to head out for work at the Washington State Department of Ecology when she notices that her 19-year-old grandson, Logan, is up earlier than usual. He was kind of a normal teenager, and, you know, he was... Happy at school and and seemed popular. He had lots of friends. You know, he listened to music and he wrote poetry. Friends and family say Logan has always been a guy who could light up the room with his charisma. Logan was the kind of guy that I think just about anybody could make friends with him, and he'd make friends with them. He's one of those kids that was, like, never down. He was always laughing. Like, we were in the classroom, he was always happy. Everywhere around school, he's laughing, joking, like messing with people. Just like he's just a a normal high school kid. At Tumwater High, Logan appeared to have everything going for him. He got great grades without doing much work, which, you know, was frustrating to me, but he was smart. For two years, Logan helped lead the Tumwater High School football team into the state championships. We went to all his games. We froze. I froze, but yeah, we went to all of his games. He was just a popular guy, and everybody loved to watch him run the ball. So it was it was just a good time for him. And he was an aggressor for sure on football when we were playing. He was an aggressor. When the play is going, that kid would smack people. <laughs> it was awesome. Logan grew up mixed race in predominantly white Tumwater, with a pretty complicated family tree. I know that Tumwater has a tendency to be blue-eyed, blonde-haired, but I don't think he, um, 
he had a hard time being the only black person in our family. When Ginny was in her 20s, she fell in love with an African-American man, which resulted in the birth of Logan's mother, Hannah. But the relationship didn't last, and Hannah never knew her father growing up. Then, years later, Hannah was a young single mother when she met a visiting engineer from Saudi Arabia. Together, they conceived Logan. But because Logan's father had to return to the Middle East, Logan never even had a chance to meet him. I'm not sure that his father even knew that he had a son at that point. When she was 23 years old, Hannah asked her mother to help her care for her older daughter, Chloe, and Logan. Hannah lived with me the whole time since they both were born. And then she wanted to go to art school in Seattle. So we had to do the guardianship because that's how I could cover him under my medical. Logan's mother, Hannah, lives only a few miles away in Olympia, but she has always remained a part of her children's life. When I saw Hannah with the kids, she was always very good with them. While he was growing up and throughout his high school years, Logan's many friends seemed to accept him for who he was. I don't think he ever felt that he was different because he was African-American, like, ever. Uh, Tom Water wasn't really like that. I mean, it was predominantly white, but minorities, they weren't, like, like pushed out or, like, ever treated differently, ever. But according to his grandmother, Ginny, towards the end of high school, Logan began to experience something of an identity crisis. There was a party in his senior year where somebody was giving him a bad time about uh, being black. I heard that there were some racist slurs made towards Logan in a joking way, uh, and he did not take it well. It was a girl. She was saying he was, you know, from Saudi Arabia, because his father's Saudi Arabian, and that he should be dancing around the fire and, and doing songs and just ignorant, racist kind of things. I did hear about that through the, through the grapevine. Um, I wasn't at the party, and I don't know, like, of what actually happened. He called me, and I went and picked him up. We got home, and he said, they weren't even there for me. It was just, he said, I, I thought I had friends, and I don't. And he started feeling very isolated at that point. According to Logan's friends, none of them took part in the racial taunting, and none of them condoned it. And he stopped talking to all of our friend groups, so it was just, like, really weird that... Because we didn't do anything. It wasn't us that made any comments at all. But, according to Logan's family, the damage was already done. At that point, I think Logan definitely was feeling a little lost. After graduation, Logan further separated himself from his friends and took drastic measures to keep them out of his life. He was going to go to one college and then he decided to go to another one. That was the weird thing, is he was gonna go in a room with one of our really good friends. I guess like last second he dropped out. He came and said, I don't wanna go to Eastern. And I said, okay, you don't have to go. Where do you wanna go? And he said, well, I think I wanna go to WSU. I said, okay, then we have to get our paperwork done. Just a few months before the school year was set to start, Logan enrolled at Washington State University, a college with a more diverse student body. And perhaps more importantly to him, no one he knows from his high school class. Friends say that even after he went away to school, Logan continued to keep his distance. I would try to like text him, like, hey, how you doing, man? Like, it's been a while, how's school going, blah, blah, blah. And he would just ignore me completely, and like everyone else, too. Friends also attempted to reconnect with Logan via social media, where he opened and read the messages, but never responded to any of them. It seemed like it was like his, his clean slate, like I graduated, I can be done with high school and all like high school drama and stuff and go be an adult now. Logan found a new group of friends at college and seemed to be enjoying himself. But by the end of the year, the good times caught up with him. It was first year away from home, freedom, 
and he wasn't doing so well in college. He wasn't going to class. His grades weren't good enough to go back, so he couldn't go back. I don't think he'd quite realized all the consequences of not doing any homework. Logan returned home to Tumwater after his freshman year in college and spent the next year working odd jobs around town. Family members say he was determined to figure out what to do next with his life. Logan took just about any job he could find to make some money. The first job that he got was, I believe, with a laundry facility where they would go around at night and pick up laundry from nursing homes and hospitals. Logan's great-aunt Mary is Ginny's sister. She and her husband, Mike, say that Logan also passed many pleasant hours working with them on their five-acre farm. There were times I needed help cleaning the fields. He helped me with other chores, such as uh, ditching for power and water. We paid him very well, sometimes $20 an hour, because we knew he was a hard worker. And he, he welcomed it. By the spring of 2016, Logan is settling into life in Tumwater. But his family says he's still trying to find his way. On the morning of May 19th, as she's about to leave for work, his grandmother Ginny discovers Logan was out late the night before, and she can tell he has something serious on his mind. He came through the house and from the garage, which I would have expected him to come from the other direction, from his bedroom. She asked him where he had been, and he told her he had just been driving around. He was just really nervous, which he isn't usually, kind of on a mission. And I said, well, talk to me about it when I get home from work. I figured he'd be home that evening. But Ginny would never get to finish that conversation. It's a big mistake, but I couldn't see it at the time. Nineteen-year-old Logan Schindelman comes home troubled after what he says was a night of aimless driving. His grandmother, Ginny, has to leave for work before she can find out what's bothering her grandson. When she gets home that evening, she's looking forward to hearing what's on Logan's mind. But he isn't there, and his car isn't in the driveway. Hours pass, and Logan still doesn't come home. That's when I checked his phone. I pinged it that night. The phone was over near his mom's house, and I wasn't too worried because of where it was. Ginny figures Logan must have gone to his mother, Hannah's house, a few miles away in Olympia, and that there's nothing to worry about. He'd go visit her. He didn't usually go stay overnight. When Ginny gets up the next day, and Logan still hasn't returned, she grows concerned. Logan's mom, Hannah, says she hasn't seen him either. So even when I pinged him and it responded from over by her house, he hadn't actually been to her house. He'd just been in that area. Panic sets in as Ginny thinks back to their conversation a day earlier and to something Logan had said. He said, well, I had an epiphany. Epiphany is a sudden realization. You may think of it as a truth that you suddenly realize. And I said, what do you mean? And he didn't want to talk. It was too hard, evidently, whatever he was. He had an epiphany about. In hindsight, Ginny wishes she could have gotten her grandson to open up. But she was also aware that he was going through a challenging time in his life. He was looking for what he wanted to do, who he wanted to be. Ginny says Logan's distress also led him to take on a new and troubling habit. I know he was going someplace and buying pot from somebody because he was smoking quite a bit. Looking back, I think he may have been crying for help. Without any details, there's no way to know what Logan could have been setting out to do with his newfound realization. Whether he was going to go meet some people 
and was worried about it or if he was going to go drive away with somebody. I have no clue. Ginny makes calls and drives around the entire Tumwater area searching for Logan. But by Saturday, two days after he was last seen, he still hasn't turned up. That's when she goes to the Thurston County Sheriff's Office. She drove to report Logan missing, but the sheriff's office was not manned. And so she had to come home, and then she waited. They don't have anybody staffing anything. And it didn't seem like a 911 call. So we went in Monday morning. I'd like to report. Um... We get the pertinent information. We always ask for the name, date of birth. We always asked what they were last seen wearing, and then any scars, marks, tattoos, and then any associated vehicles with the person. Ginny tells police that Logan left in his 1996 black Chrysler Sebring. Thurston County investigators run a search on Logan's license plates, and they get a hit. The vehicle had been impounded by the Washington State Patrol on, on May 20th. Three days before Ginny filed Logan's missing person report, State Patrol found his car abandoned on the highway, only about 10 miles from his home in Tumwater. Police tell Ginny she can pick it up from the impound lot. We went out and picked up the car and, you know, looked through it a little bit before we drove it home. And his license was in there, his wallet, you know, his debit card, his phone several bags of food and all of everything had a little bit of money here, there, and the other place. Logan's belongings being left in the car appears ominous to Ginny. His license and everything in there, I thought that's too weird, so we called that detective. When Logan's car was found abandoned, it wasn't treated as a clue in a possible crime. Instead, it was towed to an impound lot and never processed for evidence. We call it manipulated. It, it's not pure anymore. It, it's been, you know, different people are in the vehicle now. Things have been moved. When Logan's reported missing, he's not the victim of any kind of a crime. He's not a danger to himself or others, and he doesn't have medical issues, so it's a typical missing person case. And so that's how we treat it. Trying to piece together what may have happened out on the freeway Investigators pour over the report on the abandoned car. What sticks out is a 911 call that came in reporting a bizarre incident on the I-5 freeway. They see a vehicle traveling slow on the interstate, veering through the different lanes of the highway. According to the caller, the car hit the middle barrier and stopped on the shoulder. He saw the driver's side door open and then close. And then he says that he sees somebody jump over to the passenger side and then jump out of the passenger side and run into the woods there off the interstate. Nineteen-year-old Logan Schindelman was missing for three days when police discovered that his car had been abandoned on the interstate. Detectives are trying to make sense out of a strange eyewitness report. Most people wouldn't just abandon their car on, on the interstate, unless, of course, it was become disabled. I guess what made it odd was the witness saying that it was veering across the lanes of Interstate 5, and then saying that they see somebody jump out the passenger side of the vehicle and run into the woods. But for investigators, certain items found inside the car bring this account into question. There's some bags that have, like, power bars and things of that nature in it, and those bags are standing straight up. You would think or you would assume that if somebody's jumping over the driver's side to the passenger side, that they would have knocked those bags down or squashed them down, and they're not. In addition, the man who jumped out of the passenger door doesn't appear to be Logan. The description that we got was a white male and six foot is all we got. You wouldn't look at Logan and mistake him for a tall, skinny white guy. The eyewitness account implies that someone else was driving Logan's car that day, but evidence found inside 
doesn't indicate a crime. That was like the weird thing, that somebody that wasn't him had got out of his car and that they had left like cash in the car too. It just seems weird, like you're gonna like rob somebody or like steal their stuff, you'd think you at least take like the cash, but the dude just left everything in there. The eyewitness account is not verified by other drivers, so it's hard to know if what this caller said they saw is accurate. If you're doing, you gotta figure at least 50, 60 miles an hour down the interstate, you're gonna get a quick glimpse of what you see or what you think you see. Other than the single 911 call, there's no additional evidence to support this sighting. Because the vehicle was not forensically processed before Ginny brought it back home, proving exactly who was in the car is extremely difficult. Well, I'm not a detective, but I would think that DNA evidence, possibly, that was in the car was lost. I figure they know what they're doing. So, okay, there was nothing obvious in the car. You can look at it and say, oh, you know, it wasn't like a crime scene in the back seat or anything. You wouldn't look at it and say somebody was murdered in here or anything like that. Based on the strange eyewitness account, police launched multiple searches of the surrounding area. We conducted a search starting at the bridge you see behind me and we started a search conducted all through this uh, grassy area here. The search was done by six dog teams, which consisted of tracking dogs and cadaver dogs. The search lasted approximately six hours throughout the day. And at the end of the day, we weren't able to locate Logan or any evidence that was beneficial to us. When ground searches prove unsuccessful, police expand their efforts. The searches that were done for Logan were, was done by air. We had aircraft that has heat-seeking information on it. It senses heat to find bodies, and nothing came up. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With no hard evidence to build their case, investigators seek out information from those who knew Logan best. They check into who Logan had spent time with in the past year and discover that he kept mostly to himself. 
I never met any of his friends or coworkers from after he got back. If he, if he met up with them, he went someplace and met them. He did spend a lot of time at home. He was watching movies and listening to music and in his room quite a bit. It doesn't seem that Logan was making new friends at work. So police wonder if he looked elsewhere to make connections. His grandmother, Ginny, says Logan was meeting people online. Had a couple people he'd met that way, but he hadn't actually physically gone and met up with them. Police find one girl Logan had been talking to through a dating app. She lived in Oregon. She did say that they were communicating. But the online clues don't lead police any closer to understanding what happened to Logan. The young lady that he was um, corresponding with said he'd never made it down there, that she had never met him. At a loss for where to look next, detectives turn back to the 911 dispatch calls, searching for anything suspicious and related to Logan. They discover that on May 21st, two days after Logan went missing, police received another bizarre call from a driver traveling parallel to the I-5 freeway. A caller that was traveling around Pauline and Case Road saying they saw a black male without any pants on. Off of that area, there's quite a few houses where there's, they're known crack houses. And, and somebody saw a man, and they thought maybe it was Logan. This naked young man is seen stumbling on the woodsy road. To investigators, a lead like this often indicates drug use. It probably would mean he'd gotten involved in something really a lot of crack and heavy drugs, and I just don't believe he did that. Am I being Pollyanna? I don't know. Theory being that maybe he might have OD'd or maybe um, committed suicide. But they searched with dogs and did not find anything. It's another sighting that goes nowhere. We've followed up on leads in our area, or even leads that have been out of the area. We've had other agencies look for Logan, um, and nothing's come up. Still searching for any concrete evidence, investigators trace Logan's cell phone records in order to reconstruct his last known whereabouts the night he vanished. He was traveling uh, southbound on the interstate, Interstate 5. It travels down to the Camas area, down in southern Washington. And then we have the phone traveling again, then northbound up into the Tumwater area till about 3. And then 3.45 in the morning was kind of when the, when the phone stopped moving. By the early morning hours of May 20th, all cell activity ends. The cell phone died. We don't know if he was with the cell phone or whether someone else had the car and the cell phone just was in there. Later that day, State Patrol finds Logan's car abandoned with his phone inside. Investigators still don't know if other people were with Logan the night he disappeared. For a week, his whereabouts remain a total mystery. Until May 26th, when there's a startling development on social media. The detective had been checking his phone and his computer. There was a hit on his Facebook account at, at the airport. He might have checked into the Olympia Regional Airport. And so we thought maybe he might have fled. Faced with the possibility of Logan at the airport, his family wonders if he may have had a specific destination in mind. Logan learned about his father not too long before he disappeared. That was when Logan's mother, Hannah, told him his dad lives in Saudi Arabia. He never said anything about wanting to go meet his father or go find him or anything like that. But that doesn't mean he wasn't thinking. A week after 19-year-old Logan Schindelman disappeared, a provocative lead surfaces on social media Detectives discover that Logan may have checked in on Facebook from the airport only a few miles from his home. According to his family, 
he may have been seeking out his estranged father who lives in Saudi Arabia. But they question how that could be possible when his wallet was left in the car. You have to have your driver's license, some form of ID to get out of the country. We had been talking about getting passports renewed because his needed to be renewed, but um, he never asked for it. Which suggests he could have found another way. If Logan left the country, he would not have left as Logan Schindelman. He would have left under another alias. He might have wanted to change his identity. That's, that's another thought I've had is, did he just, did he get a fake ID and is living someplace else doing something? The family's theories hit a wall when the Facebook check-in from the airport turns out to have been misinterpreted. It was a check-in, but it was one from a year prior, and it was just an anniversary thing that Facebook posted. There's no other evidence that Logan tried to leave town, leaving investigators stumped and his family grasping at straws. Some wonder if Logan's disappearance could be tied to his increasing use of drugs. Logan was smoking a lot of pot. He was getting a little bit paranoid sometimes. Sometimes he decided people were looking in his window, in his room. So he would lock his door. Ginny wonders if Logan's drug use could have gotten him into trouble with local dealers. I don't think he would have gone and tried to rip anybody off. It's not Logan at all. But he could have gotten mixed up with somebody that was selling drugs. Logan's the type of person that I would never see doing anything worse than like smoking pot or drinking alcohol. He was never a drug abuser. But if Logan didn't have problems with drugs, then Ginny wonders if the paranoia she witnessed may have been the precursor to a psychological break. I've thought about him being on the verge of a mental breakdown somewhat, and that was the epiphany, took him off into some kind of strange direction. I know that that's when schizophrenia has a tendency to hit. And I think with young men more than women. Ginny worries that his emotional and psychological struggles could have driven her grandson to harm himself. You know, he'd been upset and maybe depressed, definitely thinking through who he was and what was going on in his life. I think people can do anything, especially if they're depressed or troubled, especially at 19, you're not thinking long-term. I don't want him to have done anything. If you commit suicide, Somebody's going to find something at some point. According to some of his relatives, Logan may have been troubled by his living situation at Ginny's. I know that he was not happy being in the home even before he went off to college. When he came back, he was even more unhappy. When Logan came back from college, I spoke with him a couple times and the first thing that Logan told me was you know my sister's boyfriend has moved in don't you Logan's half-sister Chloe's boyfriend Jake and his two kids had taken up residence in the Schindelman home according to Logan's great aunt and uncle Logan was not happy about living under the same roof as Jake and his children Mike and Mary thought that maybe Jake was trouble and he and Jake does have some trouble past, um, some domestic violence issues, things of that nature. Jake and Logan had some fights. I don't know if there was any foul play, but I do know that Jake is capable of some violence. In 2013, Jake pleaded guilty to felony assault in a previous relationship. Logan's extended family is concerned that Jake's violent past could mean he did something to Logan. But according to Ginny, who lived with them both, the tension between Logan and Jake has been overstated by others in the family. Sometimes they disagreed. I wouldn't call them particularly good friends, but it wasn't like 
people beating on each other or anything like that. By October of 2016, Logan has been missing for five months. When Jake lands in jail for violating his probation, police take the opportunity to follow through on Great Uncle Mike and Great Aunt Mary's suspicions. We did do a polygraph on him. And so I asked him, did he have anything to do with the disappearance of Logan? And I asked him if he knew who was responsible for Logan's disappearance. And he answered no, both of them. And in my opinion, I read him as being truthful to those questions. But Logan's great uncle, a former deputy sheriff, disagrees. I think by and large, polygraphs are reliable. I think they can be beaten. Despite Logan's issues with Jake, investigators find no evidence that Jake had anything to do with his disappearance. And Jake has always maintained his innocence. Furthermore, authorities learn that there may have been other reasons why Logan wanted to vanish. According to his relatives, he may have been running from what he saw as a bitter conflict within the family. Logan's grandmother never made the opportunity for him to meet or to associate with the African-American side of the family, uh, relatives. He wanted to know about this other family. I mean, he, he wanted the truth. Logan Schindelman vanished from his hometown of Tumwater, Washington back in May of 2016. After a series of mysterious, unresolved leads, police wonder if Logan may have run away from what he saw as a family dispute. You know, it would have benefited Logan to know the, the African-American side of his family. It would give him a sense of identity. Tina Crary's brother is Hannah's father and Logan's grandfather. I don't think he knew about Tina or that other, other part of his family. I think he was totally shocked that they even existed. According to Tina, Ginny cut ties to the African-American side of the family when, after her daughter Hannah was born, Ginny and Tina's brother broke up. Logan went most of his life without meeting his grandfather or his great-aunt Tina. I think that, you know, for years it was just underneath the surface, you know, him not knowing his identity and not knowing his background. I think it was, it was always there. Um, and as he got older, he was able to, to ask more questions and he was able to, to maybe connect the dots. Right before Logan left for college, he met Tina for the first time when he was invited to her house for dinner. We looked at lots of pictures. His eyes were just wide and, and he was shaking his head. He just stared at it and he, and he looked up at me and he said, it feels so good to see someone that looks like me. As if he was saying, finally, finally, there's someone that looks like me. I finally found them. According to Tina, Logan thought his grandmother, Jenny, might be upset by this meeting. So he kept it a secret from her. He said that she's going to be mad if she finds out. I did tell him, I said, you know something? You're a grown man. You can come here anytime you want. But Ginny says Logan didn't keep the meeting from her at all and even confided in her about it. He said, why is Tina complaining about you all the time? You know, she's complaining about the one person who's been with us and taken care of us for our entire lives. I don't get it. Ginny says Tina's family only tried very briefly to have a relationship with Logan while he was growing up. You know, for probably six months, maybe, once or twice, they tried to get a hold of me, and that was about it. And then after that, no, it wasn't any effort. If Logan wanted to have a long-term relationship with him, why, that was fine with me, too. I certainly wasn't going to tell him no. Although Tina and Logan didn't meet again, they kept in contact through social media after he went to college. He mentioned, you know, that his classes were going to be starting in like a, another week. So it was, it was brand new and fresh. He was excited about that. He wasn't quite sure what he wanted as a major. I said, that's okay. You can decide later on. Just go to school. Tina continued to follow Logan's posts even after he left college. 
and noticed he was still exploring his identity. And then I started seeing quotes from Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King. One in particular that he really liked was, if you want to be heard in this world, you better make some noise. And I really think that Logan was trying to be heard, but he wasn't quite sure how to do it. Tina believes Logan may have chosen to leave in order to take control of his own life. I'm hoping that he thought, I have to get away from here. I have to get away from everybody. I think Logan realized maybe this is his only chance. You know, you, you have two different stories. It kind of seemed like some of the dynamics that were going on there would lead you to believe that maybe Logan did want to leave. And again, that's one of the theories that we have, that maybe he's just out there and he wants to be left alone. I have no idea what was on his mind. None of us do. Um, besides, you know, what we're hearing from the family, um, the two of the sides fighting, the uh, perspective that is missing is Logan's. The question of whether Logan walked away from his life becomes just another facet of a profound mystery. In June of 2017, 13 months after Logan went missing, a new lead surfaces when a woman calls police after seeing media coverage of his disappearance. She says she saw Logan's car on the freeway the day he went missing. Inexplicably, her account differs from the eyewitness who reported seeing just one person near Logan's car. She remembered the vehicle sitting there on the shoulder. Now she sees that there's a black male standing at the rear of the vehicle. And then she sees two um, white males. The eyewitness describes one man as tall with scraggly bowl-cut hair and wearing tight clothing. All she could see of the second man was that he had long blonde hair. Based on a follow-up interview, a police sketch artist generates a portrait of the unidentified blonde man. We put out on the social media and media outlets as well. Since the sketch has gone out, we've had some people say it looks like this person, looks like that person. And so when I look at them, I'm, I'm trying to see if they have some kind of criminal activity or some kind of criminal history, and then try to see if there's some kind of link that would put them in the area. But the man in the sketch remains a complete mystery. To date, no new leads have surfaced. At this point, with like how long the investigation's been going and how, how many investigators have been on it and how deeply they've looked into it, there's nothing really more to like look for. It's just really a matter of waiting for something to come out. Mike and Mary Ware keep hope alive with their own search efforts. We've had people call us from California, Oregon, Canada that have found Logan Rocks while they have been hiking. Rocks have been painted by volunteers with Logan's information on the back of them. So if someone finds a rock, the rock explains that they can go to Facebook and get all the information about Logan's disappearance. If Logan is still out there, both sides of his family say the same thing, that they miss him terribly and want him home safe. If he were to walk in tomorrow, he'd be accepted. No questions asked, no judgment. If he wants to come back, he's got a place to go. Investigators are left puzzling over a case where nothing adds up. While Logan's family and friends suffer the agony of not knowing what happened to the young man who brought so much light into their lives. I miss Logan every day. It isn't just every day, it's like every hour of every day. So it's just a complete mystery that's just weighing over all of our heads. It was pretty heartbreaking. You know, they say time heals all things, but time is kind of healing it. But like, the fact that we don't know, it's kind of hard to heal. There's a big hole there. And, and I really miss, I miss that, which is basically I miss him. I love him. I hope he knows that. And I would really like to know where he is. If you have any information about Logan Schindelman or his disappearance, please contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5599.
He wasn't just like one of the kids that like would play every now and again. Like he was a starter on defense and like played all the time and made, had a lot of good plays and big plays and was just well known with everyone. He was friends with everyone. Dakota says the football team was as close-knit as family. We were like brothers out there. Uh, he was a defensive back and I was a running back and we came at each other and like I remember like him looking at me in the eyes and like he always like had like this little smirk on his face and he's kind of smirking and I was like oh god. We go at each other and like the two linemen just like break apart and we're going like each other head on head and he just gets low and just hit me so hard and I was like and that was when I knew I was like this kid's like actually got some. Even though Logan was on the thin side he could pack a punch out on the field. He wasn't like a super buff kid, but like then he got on the field and he would hit. That kid could hit. And he was strong too. Almost immediately, he pretty well separated himself from any contact with his friends. Up to that time, he had good contact, lots of contact with his friends, uh, the guys he played football with. Uh, but he, from their point of view, he sort of dropped out of sight. He didn't return calls, he didn't talk to them. Uh, he didn't reach out to any of them after that. Also knowing Logan, I don't think something that, that just seems super like not like petty and like not like a big deal for him to be like, something like that small from one person for him just to go and leave everybody. I, don't, I mean, I can see it, but at the same time, it's like doesn't make sense because that's just like not Logan. Logan's, I don't know, like that's just like, that's the type of stuff you'd, I'd see him just like, just blown over his head and being like, uh, whatever, you know? Logan's great aunt Mary says the time they spent together helped Mary and her husband Mike grow closer to Logan. We got to know him better. He had matured and so had we. Uh, we, he, he was never afraid to, to come and ask us things like where we would want this done or where we'd want that done. Uh, he was not afraid to just come out and express himself. He was also, Logan was also not afraid to ask questions about the equipment. And he was very inquisitive. He wanted to know why, he, and he listened. He really wanted to learn, I'm not sure. That's a question that a lot of people have asked. And a couple days after that, the car had, was cleaned out entirely of everything in the trunk, everything in the car. Somebody filled the tank with gas. Detective Frawley says that in hindsight, it would have benefited the investigation to have done a search on the car. But again, like I say at the time, if we don't have reason to believe there's been a crime, it's impossible to have something searched because the minute you ask for any kind of search warrant or any kind of what you're asking the forensic team to come out, they're going to ask you, what crime do you have? And you're going to tell them I have a missing person. And then you're going to get the questions again. Is he in danger to himself or others? You know, is he this, that, or is he the victim of foul play? And again, we, we don't know those things. This is one of the many cell towers that's located along Interstate 5 that we use to track Logan's phone. The cell towers will give you direction to travel if you're traveling, in his case, he was traveling southbound and then northbound again. Uh, they ping his phone going all the way down to like Camus and they ping it off of like weird areas down there and then they have it coming back. Dakota says the cell phone's strange change of course doesn't seem right. And all this stuff is in it. That's where it seems like foul play. Like all of his stuff, like he, if he were to leave and he left with like nothing, he didn't have his backpack, he didn't have his wallet, he didn't have his phone, cash, unless he had extra cash. But like, I never would think he would like, you know, get abducted by somebody and get like, you know, have somebody be able to like manhandle him basically and like take over his, take him over basically. I would never expect that either. So it's, it's hard to, say whether or not, you know, he's just out there trying to find himself or if somebody really did something to him or, like, hurt him. He's, like, he's skinny, but he's, like, a, he's a big kid and he's smart. It would give him a, um, some strength to know who he is and where he came from rather than just kind of strolling around in this kind of maybe world and 
um, not getting answers. He would have gotten answers from me. He would have seen pictures, and he would have got. He would have known this extended family that that wanted to know him. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.